Hello, and welcome to What a Picture, a movie podcast where we go through the sight and sound greatest films of all time critics poll week by week and discuss what makes a great film great. Some iambic pentameter on that bad boy. Not really. I, uh, I heard it. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm Brian. Cool. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about a Kenji Mizuguchi film called Ooh. Sancho the Bailiff. It's the first time either of us had seen this movie. So another new one for us, which is And fun. I've never heard of it. And I've never heard of Kenji Mizuguchi. So I have. I've seen, I think, three other films from him. Um, and so I sort of know the themes and style that he gravitates towards. But I still quite enjoyed this. So what did you think of this movie, Hannah? Um, I think it was good. It was long. It was long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get into a plot summary because I honestly can't remember much. Yeah. We watched this like six days ago. And Almost I've read like yeah. I've read like three books since then. <laughs> and we watched another movie, so it's all blending together. Um, so how about we just get into a plot summary? Yeah, sounds good. Well, we're gonna go sort of sequence by sequence here. So um we'll um get into the first sequence and then we'll talk about it, and then second sequence plot summary, and then we'll talk about it, and so on and so on. Love it. First, first sequence here. So in 11th century feudal Japan, a governor is banished for siding with his people over his lord. He is separated from his family, but first tells his family to always be merciful. Years later, his family journeys to his land of exile, but is tricked by a priestess and separated. The mother, Tamaki, is sold into prostitution, and the son, Zushio, and daughter, Anju, are sold as slaves to Sancho, who is a tyrannical slave owner. So that's sort of where I, I chose to cut off um, the plot, because there's a time jump after that. Okay. Um, a couple of things that, that stood out to me in this first sequence. First of all, the funny hats. Um Yep. which are quite wonderful. And like how I, some people's funny hats are like a, a, a like a triangle, like a dunce cap, and some people are like the bended triangle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those ones Like how a really dog's cool. ear yeah. stands mm -hmm. up. Like corgis are born with fl flopsy ears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. assuming they're period appropriate. Um, yeah. So, and this is interesting because it's set earlier than a lot of other films of um this type this genre is called jidai geki which mm -hmm. is basically a japanese period piece and often they're set during the edo period which would be like 17th to 19th century your typical samurai that's when uh uh seven samurai would be set i think rashomon is set a little earlier this is set much earlier than sort of a typical film of this genre it's not unheard of but it's perhaps unusual for something to be set this early for a shidaigeki type of film mm -hmm. um but it's essentially the movie is based on an oral tradition that had been passed down since the middle ages and there'd been 
sort of other written versions of it, but this is sort of the 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 first film version of this particular story. But it's an oral tradition that's been set, passed down since when the film is actually set. So it's based on sort of lore and mythology, almost the same way that like a Beowulf would be in English speaking um, yeah. countries. So that's I thought that comparison. was that was really interesting. And you can tell that it's based it sort of has a, a fable like or a, like a moral tale type yeah. quality to it in a lot of ways um, and is not quite novel like, you know, it doesn't feel like a novel adaptation. It feels like the adaptation of a story. You know? Right. So Right. They're not trying to like make it modern or intersperse any like current societal issues back into the old story i mean the main one of the main morals and then you kind of get it set up here at the beginning um so brian talked about how you know the 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 father of this family is being banished and his children and and wife are kind of being banished or are sent away and before the father is separated he tells um uh zushio who is his his son and and you know, now the man of the family, he gives him um, th th this advice, and, and I'll quote it. It says, um, and by the way, I'm quoting the translation, obviously, but without yes. mercy, man is like a beast. Even though you are hard on yourself, be merciful to others. So there's certainly this, like, um, th this virtuousness to this father i mean he's being banished because he like brian said he chooses his people the kindness that he wants to give mm -hmm. his people over the lord who he's supposed to serve and his entire mm -hmm. governorship you'll forgive me i don't know the names of all of the the, yeah. the structures <laughs> but uh what the father is supposed to be you know mm -hmm. controlling all these people all these employees perhaps slaves to make money for this uh lord that he's more or less not standing behind all the way um mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and that's one of the things that stands out about mizaguchi for me so mizaguchi is one of the big three japanese directors sort of of his era that he's been directing since really the 30s but they come to international prominence in the 50s. The three would be Mizuguchi, uh, Yasujiro Ozu, which you've seen late spring from already and have Tokyo Story yet to go. And then Akira Kurosawa, which we've done two of his movies in Rashomon and Seven Samurai. Um, so they're sort of the, the big three of this era coming to international prominence in the 50s. What mm -hmm. I really like about Mizuguchi, so Ozu sets almost everything pretty current um he's really japanese family life is is essentially his focus and social mores um uh and kurosawa does some jidaigeki as well as some modern stuff is a little bit more western influenced uh misaguchi along with ozu is very uh Japanese style filmmaking there are certain things about it that that are very unique to Japanese cine cinema of this era 
And Mizaguchi also is pretty critical of Japanese culture and history because a, a lot of his are sort of these historical epics or stories. And he's critical of the history of, of Japanese culture, but not necessarily in a Western way. He's critical in a way that is still very Japanese. So hmm. the quote that you listed, Hannah, is very much not, you know, in individualistic culture uh, that we might think of as being a Western value. Mm -hmm. It's sacrifice for the good of others in a way that is um, just seems more universal good and yeah. so he's criticizing what he sees but in a in a way that's um to promote universal empathy um right. that i think is really powerful and this movie and definitely mizaguchi's other movies he's very interested in the way that women have been treated um hmm. historically and and is often quite strong with his female characters and being empathetic towards them showing how they've been oppressed and so yeah the other films that i've seen from him maybe even more so than this um are are critical in that way he does some movies about geishas uh marriages um that sort of thing and that's that's present here but more present is just oppression of slavery of this time mm -hmm. um and so just sort of a universal human suffering here in this movie absolutely yeah i i i appreciated it i think it was <laughs> not subtle what he was trying to do like it wasn't no. it was very clearly yeah. like this is right this is wrong this is what it sometimes takes to stand up against what is wrong. And that is not easy. Um, and you even kind of get, and we'll, we'll get into this as we get into the second sequence, I think, but kind of when you want to do what is right, but literally to survive, you have to do what is wrong. Um, yeah. And and that's so hard and heartbreaking. And you have to kind of resign yourself to periods of not just not doing what's right, but actively doing the wrong thing. And that's really, really hard to kind of come to grips with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in this first sequence, you get the a lot of the setup and pretty efficiently set up sets up the theme of the movie um where you have the you ought to try to be merciful but then you also get to see the cruelty of the world in a very mm -hmm. um specific way and so there's this treacherous priestess who tricks them they're sold into slavery and prostitution and you see the punishment of of the slaves and how how cruel life is for them so yeah heartbreaking you, it is it certainly is well let's get into the second sequence here so zushio and anju grow up at sancho's estate there's a time jump and you see them in their sort of early adulthood 
Anju remains merciful and kind, but Zushio becomes hardened and cruel. One day, Zushio and Anju are tasked with bringing an old woman outside the estate to die. Anju uh, manages to convince Zushio. He sort of has a change of heart, and he escapes with the old woman while she distracts the guards. While Sancho realizes what has happened, Anju is then brought back to the estate and fearing that she will reveal her brother's location under torture, Anju walks into a lake and commits suicide. So this feels like the the core plot element of the movie for me, this sort of sequence. So what did you think of of this part, Hannah? It felt like kind of Romeo and Juliet-y yeah, and it's tragedy, yeah. just like mm-hmm. rushing to kind of save the other person, moving out of fear and out of mm-hmm. desperation, um, and then ultimately to like a sad ending. Um, yeah, because yeah, we, we we see before this, Anju is really um, heartbroken about Zushio. Like Zushio has kind of earned position of favor within the system. Um, Mm-hmm. And there's a point where, like, someone ha- tries to escape and the the bailiff calls on Zushio to um, punish the person who tried to escape. So, again, he's not just trudging through with his head down. His The way he has to survive within this system mm-hmm. is move up the ranks and become almost the oppressor. Or he's like, you know not the top oppressor, but he's he's in the middle of the system, which means his form of being oppressed is also mm-hmm. oppressing others. Um, and yeah. Anju can't see this as him trying to survive. She sees it as... Um, him betraying the family exactly. morals, Him betraying... Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's a point where the, he, uh, you know, he's received the... Um, I don't know what the right term is, like the little statue, the the family yeah. idol that yeah. it was given to him by his father um, to remind him to be merciful. He at Zon- uh, Zushio at one point kind of casts it away. Like, I don't want this anymore. I can't handle the pressure and the burden of trying to do mm-hmm. what's right. I'm, I'm defeated. Um, yeah. And so I, I think it's, it's tragic and it's heartbreaking that, um, mm-hmm. Uh, Anju dies. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I guess she does die knowing her brother is good. Um, yeah. but she also is so mm-hmm. oppressed by the system that she can't see. Like she chooses the more merciful death for mm-hmm. herself, choosing yeah. to commit suicide over being tortured and yes. possibly tortured and killed within her captivity. Yes. So first on the Zushio stuff, I think you're right that this is one of the biggest strengths of the movie is the way that it understands how suffering can desensitize you to uh, being good. Um, mm-hmm. There's another line where Anju is is talking to another slave and and is espousing some of her opinions about being merciful and kind and the the other slave says, you sound like a newcomer. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, uh, you become desensitized to these things over time um, when you're living in them. And so it's really strong on, on the ways that that can happen. 
the Anju death, I have some questions <laughs> about her choices being logical. So this is like a pet peeve of mine that probably won't bother everyone. Uh, and well, so now totally it will if you point if, it out. If it won't. But yeah, I just want to talk through this because okay. it's something it. that bothers me in movies that probably won't bother. Like unlikely situations i'm totally fine with unlikely character motivations those really bother me for whatever reason so hmm. um so i i get i i feel like the movie might be trying to hammer home its themes maybe a little too hard where it doesn't respect its characters which is very unlike Mizuguchi for me he's so strong at characters and developing them and he does that quite well here just a couple of things with Anju first the the decision to convince Zushio to escape with the old woman like I feel like most people would have both of them would have tried to escape like the guard is not present there and so they could have perhaps made a getaway before the guard realized what had happened so she but she does buy him time and maybe that increases likelihood and so because of the way her characters develop maybe you could say well this is what she would have done because she's so committed to being merciful and caring for others over caring for herself mm -hmm. um but then the committing suicide thing for me that's the one that i I feel like, man, I just don't know that someone would do that because they don't discuss any possible alternatives of right. You're, you know, why don't you just like tell them something that's clearly wrong? Just lie to them. And everyone's on horseback here. It's going to take them days to figure out that you've lied to them about where your brother has gone. Um, and so oh, yeah. he can escape that way. So there's there's other alternatives, I think, other than committing suicide, even though that's like the the poetic answer and the cinematic answer to driving home the theme of the movie. I just don't yeah, I feel like the character maybe would make a different choice <laughs> if okay. it were a real person. Yeah. I mean, I think in the scenes prior you kind of see that she is very emotionally driven and a little bit like, I don't want to say it's her emotional state is out of control and therefore suicide was the only answer, but mm -hmm. you do, do see her be kind of like, maybe not impulsive, but just kind of driven mad with, with the realization that her brother is part of the problem and not part of the solution. Yeah. So it, it could be that like, this is her more, emotional i hate using that word to justify behavior sometimes but you know it could be that she's not meant to be considered logical at this moment that's true yeah it could be a uh a sort of rash decision mm -hmm. um type of thing so um and that changed how you view the movie what i felt is that we're meant to feel that this is a courageous act of self-sacrifice mm -hmm. that saves uh um zushio's life 
um which it is to some extent but i've i anytime there's something like this in the movie a big like self-sacrificial moment you need to really really convince me that it's necessary for me to go along with that for whatever right. reason that's just the way i am that's just the way you are babe yeah Anyway, shall we? Uh, oh, one more thing on, on this sequence. The way that they show the torture in this by not showing it, it's yeah. still so brutal. Yeah, um, that you just see like the torturer moving. The The big th way they torture is by branding people in the face who mm -hmm. have, uh, without, you know, a hot iron who have tried to escape. So like mm -hmm. you just see them move the hot, iron out of frame and you hear the screams of the person being tortured i mean it's yeah it's it's haunting mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so that that definitely stood out to me in this section mm -hmm. all right let's get into the third sequence here so let's do it zushio appeals to the chief advisor who eventually realizes his heritage and appoints him governor of the region that contains sancho's estate However, Zushio's attempts to ban slavery are initially unsuccessful since the manor is private and therefore not subject to his jurisdiction. Zushio presses on and arrests Sancho and his men, freeing the slaves and burning the manor. He then resigns as governor, having accomplished what he set out to do. And also because he probably did some illegal stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I like that, you know, he tried to end slavery and all that. The resignation is kind of like, what's, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I know he had, he had been, he probably had a higher calling, but just mm -hmm. to be like, well, that's the one thing of good I could do. And now I'm out feels yeah. kind of lame. You know, I had the same thought and then I thought maybe I missed something because when I was reading it, it seemed to be like uh, um, because he'd done this to Sancho's estate, he was sort of forced into it um, either by, you know, he he resigned as sort of like a, they would have fired me anyway sort of thing. Okay. I mean, I guess. So, yeah, I I think this mo this section of the movie like visually is pretty neat i i like the way that the um there's always in mizaguchi movies like a lot of plot which i'm typically not a fan of i'd rather like sit on things and explore the nuance than mm -hmm. just like plot point after plot point after plot point but Mizaguchi for whatever reason stands out as using plot exceptionally well to further character development and the themes of the movie okay um and this does that to me where everything with the chief advisor like there's a lot that happened that I I summarized everything with banning the estate and putting up the the signs and then um uh sancho's people sort of uh tearing them down the different you know power structures available of the manor being private and subject to a different jurisdiction than his and like bravery in the face of um 
perhaps defying some of the rules that are set out for being a governor like that stuff is all strong and further Zushia's character as well as um the 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 theme of this movie which I'd I'd state as how society fails people who are vulnerable or try to do the right thing but you should try to do the right thing regardless right um, right so yeah I think it's all pretty strong um I like how this resolves some of that and um but not in a way that feels trite um mm -hmm. where you do end with he he succeeds but there are still consequences and he hasn't stopped the structural wrongs that right. that Mizuguchi's trying to hammer home exist um so yeah I like it I dig it I dig it cool then we get this ending. So Zushio searches for his mo his mother and he does end up finding her on a beach where she was supposed to have died. Um, he um, shares that Anju and their father have died and that he chose mercy over the status that the governor's post would have provided. And they end on sort of this deeply sad but somewhat cathartic note of finding each other. Um at the end of the movie here um the way this was shot was really phenomenal i i liked this i ending. agree that yeah. was really pretty mm -hmm. the you see there are a couple of crane shots in here especially that is all of a sudden you're like and the movie uses its crane shots so um sparingly that mm -hmm. when you start to go up it's like whoa we're going up now <laughs> what's <laughs> happening like, yeah, exactly feels like uh you're all of a sudden on a uh on a lift that you weren't expecting to be on <laughs> like whoa <laughs> yeah totally yeah. <laughs> but then you get these beautiful like deep shots of the beach that they're on and stuff so i liked it yeah i thought it, i thought the ending was very beautiful um just I think the it was so heartbreaking because his mother we really don't see a lot of her story um you know we see at one point she tries to escape and they cut her Achilles tendon so she can't run away which is like yeah unbelievably cruel um and she at this point at the end of the movie she is just kind of like just let me die like she's still singing her the whole movie she's singing this longing song about you know i long for you zushio i long for you anju like come back isn't to life me a torture isn't yeah. life a torture and she's still kind of singing the song to herself but she is blind and can't move around without a cane and it's just like yeah i think the only thing keeping her alive is her torment of missing her children and so her kind of getting just a little bit of resolution, like seeing her one, I mean, being with her one child again. But there's a point where, you know, Zushio comes up to her and, and she's like, don't torture me. Like, it, you know, not isn't even considering that it might be her child because I guess she's been tormented by people pretending to be her. Oh, that that part really got me of just yeah. like, what kind of cruelty is this? Mm hmm. 
Then the other part that I liked in this sequence is when Zushio is searching, he finds a prostitute who goes by the same name as his mother. But, uh, and so he like thinks he's found his mother, goes and talks to her briefly and then runs off. And then the other prostitutes are like, oh, shoot, you got rejected. So <laughs> it's funny. like this. Yeah. So you really funny. And also, also furthering that theme that we talked with of Zushio, of people just becoming like hardened and used to yep. their situation of it feels just like, you know, the conversation that might happen in a brothel like this yeah <laughs> on absolutely. sort of a regular basis instead of everyone talking about how sad they are all of the time you know right. you just sort of get used to it yeah and you have to like you know it's it's just all of the the sex workers together so it's not like their oppressors are around them and that they have kind of have like a friendship with each other yeah. like they're able to find connection in their circumstance um Yep. And you see that in Sancho the Bailiff's um estate. Like the 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 slaves or enslaved people do have a community. They do care for each other, you know, like, oh, make sure you get back to work, or you know, let's I'll when the one woman is dying, they really try to help her the best they can. Um it 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 the sense of community among the people is really beautiful. Um despite the circumstance that brought them there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a movie with a deep empathy for people that's really resonated with, with a lot of people. Um, and so that's why, why it's on, on the list here. And I thought it was great. Um, I'm excited to check out his other one also on the list. Uh, it's called uh, Ujetsu um, made the year before this as well. So mm. It's another one to look forward to. Um, a couple of things about the filmmaking craft before we wrap up here. Um, I really like the way this is shot. Um, so um, there are a lot of like medium long takes. That's not like Satan Tango long takes. It's like, you know, 30 second to a minute takes, which for this era might be long. Um and there's a lot of camera movement where there's pans to where the action is happening. Uh, it's often shot from sort of a medium distance, so not a whole lot of close-up. Mm -hmm. And particularly when there's dialogue between characters, um, both characters are in frame almost always. So you don't get the like typical over shoulder shots of dialogue that you'd see in Hollywood movies, but both characters are in framed. And so it sort of centers their interaction and their performances interacting with each other rather than an individual performance. And that gives you some really excellent stuff in here. Um, particularly I, I think the interactions between Zushio and Anju are much stronger because of the way that this is shot and shows both performances at the same time, rather than like an individual performance type of thing. So I really like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was a little bit hard to get into, um, Mm -hmm. there's not a, like a lot of like establishing this is what's going on um yeah 
but I did enjoy it. That was yeah. I thought it was well done. I thought it was a really beautiful story. Again, our theme of survival and what doing what it has you have to do to survive and the things you have to compromise um, and the things you are unwilling to compromise. And I think this movie was a really good picture of that. It was very understandable for the most part um, about the, the different characters' perspectives within their situations. Um, yeah, absolutely. Also, if I were being ripped away from my children... And it's being sold into slavery. I wouldn't simply lightly pummel the person rowing the boat away. <laughs> I would be like ripping out sinew from their throats with my teeth. Totally. Like yeah. it would be, I, I mm-mm, they're, mm-mm. <laughs> so mm. I'm assuming that she can't swim. Um, yeah, which sure. explains part of it. Uh, and she's and in then traditional you do see the, Japanese. the housekeeper falls does off fall the boat and, and drowns. Yeah. Yeah. And they own. do I mean the 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 what she was wearing was a traditional Japanese garb where the women's legs within their oh I'm so sorry I can't remember what the, the dress is called. Um but the, there is very little leg movement. Like you can put your feet maybe a foot apart from each other. Um but still you can bite you can scratch you can yeah punch the family jewels you get there i about it that was the least believable part of the movie oh yeah yeah but whatever i would go full feral i get Mm -hmm. that yeah um and there's some doubt at first so they like put push off from the dock and they're like oh they're gonna have to take the kids on the next boat which she doesn't really buy um understandably um but there is that because it's so sudden, that little bit of confusion for the first like half a minute of like, what is happening? Is this as bad as I think it is? And then they really do realize, yes, <laughs> we're being kidnapped. Um, and at that point, that's when the the biting and the punching of the family jewels should probably come into play. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so... Um, heartbreaking scene and beautifully shot with uh, like reflections on the water shadows and yeah there's um that's quite cinematic the way it's shot i like it a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree well cool are we ready for our 2001 a space odyssey fact yeah. is this our quickest episode ever maybe i don't know some of the early episodes we did were were relatively quick i didn't take a look at uh at yeah. when we started to record but i feel like we had a good conversation about the movie i did so i do I'm too and i think we it. i think we owe the people a little bit of a break after our two hour long uh 2023 movies recap that is hour true. and a half maybe very yeah. long um yeah. we love you people thank you for listening <laughs> to us rant yeah um, so our 2001 A Space Odyssey fact for the day. So in The Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode One. Oh, notoriously a... the best of the franchise. <laughs> there's an Easter egg. I'd say better than Attack of the Clones, probably. <laughs> That's fair. But there's an Easter egg in Watto's Junkyard. You may remember Watto, I... the very, very racist alien. 
I don't remember anything of the movie except for the the very specific intricacies of intergalactic sp- trade law. Yeah, of course. Everything else has just fallen out of my brain. Uh, yeah, but Th- you that and Darth Maul's Carolina. that and Darth Maul's irrefutably cool double sided lightsaber. Oh uh, yeah, that so was like cool. the coolest part of the movie. His action figure, amazing. Yeah. So in Water's <laughs> Junkyard, there is uh basically a replica of a prop from 2001 a space odyssey the eva pod that dave uses when they're like outside the main ship that eva. You can, you see it's like super dusty and buried under some of the stuff but i saw a screenshot and you can definitely tell it's the uh it's the pod so so you yeah. know what i'm i'm gonna call you out on this fact because this yep. is very clearly you did not discover this one on your own I know oh, for no. a fact that you did not go watch Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace on your own mm-hmm. to find this thing. Is that Nor, the expectation for these facts that I'm finding them on my own? I mean, I like to have like a little bit of a re- of a make it mm-hmm. at least moderately reasonable that you could have found this on your own. You did not with this one. This one I was don't. all internet. Thanks, this internet. was actually, I was re-watching 2001 A Space Odyssey to get more facts and saw a different spaceship that I thought I recognized from Star Wars. And so I did a quick Google search and discovered that that was not true, but I found this one. So, you know. Oh, well, that's actually cooler than you just like yeah. Googling, what are some fun facts about 2001 Space Odyssey? I'm not going to say I haven't done that in the past. Oh, I absolutely know you've done that. And you've got your little one. bank of facts. Yeah, I could go on the tab over in our weather picture outlines to find some more and to trip them. you up, but I'm not going to do that because I'm mm-hmm. here for this game. I'm here for it. All right, great. Mm-hmm. So that's it for today. Please subscribe to this podcast if you like it. Rate us five stars if you mm-hmm. like it as well. And I am followable on a couple of platforms. I am on Blue Sky and Letterboxd primarily. I'm also on X. I post about when episodes are coming out. So if that's helpful for you, you can go follow me there as well. Not quite as active on there. Uh, Hannah, where can you be found today? You know, believe it or not, you're not going to believe it. But believe it or not. Mm. If you watch Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace, <laughs> and you go in that racist aliens junkyard, yeah, um, I'm right there. <laughs> you can be found as an That's Easter right. egg in this place. In the That's Phantom where I can Menace. be found. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so that is one way that you can interact very briefly with Hannah. There's not a lot of communication that can happen on those platforms, but... Well, you asked, where can I find you? Yeah, that's where you can be found. found. You (laughs) very literally answered the question. You're welcome. Hey, Brian, Brian, Brian. Hey, Brian. Hey, hey, Brian. What are we watching next week? We are going to watch Do the Right Thing. Is that the right thing to do? (laughs) uh, It might be, so... Hannah, this is my subconscious that made us choose this movie. It is so cold right now in Knoxville. It's been cold for like a week. That's where we live, by the way. Yeah. I think we said we live in Tennessee, but we live in Knoxville, Tennessee. Snowed in and I had an unprecedented amount of snow. I hail married in the other direction and said, I need to watch the movie about the hottest day of summer. That's fair. Also, we can't leave the house to go get your library movies. That's true. That we were going to watch for the podcast. 
That's they fair. were literally so, stuck in the house having to resort to either streaming or what we have on DVD. Yep. Witches do the right thing. So excited yeah, to and that talk sounds, about it. Honestly, yeah. I don't think it's ever the wrong thing to watch do the right thing. Totally. And that's not a repeat of the joke I just made earlier about no. is it the right thing to do. It's a different joke. Different. That's the same joke twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll see you all next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.